Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey, Terry, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here today. Thank you. I appreciate it, Beth. It's good to be here. I am excited for you to get to share your story and for my listeners to get to hear and just gain some insight of a creative way that you've really met the needs of the ELL students in your school. So let's get started. Why don't you share a little bit with us about your teaching background, what you're doing now in education? This is currently my 30th year in education. I began here at my high school, McCollum High School that I graduated from. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, in 93, 94. And I've been here ever since. I began a life as an, an English teacher. I have taught all levels of English, including IS to AP and everything in between. And after 13 years, I decided to become a librarian okay. and it's the best job in the world. I dearly love my job and all the fun I get to have with all the different people. And, you know, it's, it's very different every year and I love it. It's great fun. So that's, that's where I am. <laughs> wonderful. What a wide range of experience you offer. So that's great. Yeah. I, I always wanted to be a librarian too. I mean, when you have such a love for books and it's like to get to instill that in all students across the school. What a, what a great honor. So, and we're going to get into that, how she's using that role to really help promote reading. So let's talk a little bit. So you graduated from the high school that you're teaching at now. And so tell me a little bit about that high school. What's, what's it look like? What's are the demographics? What, tell me about the students there. We are a very small school district. Our high school is uh, McCollum high school is one of two high schools in the Harlandale Independent School District. And our motto is 
14 square miles of excellence because that's how big we are in, in San Antonio. San Antonio is not a consolidated city. We have several different school districts. So ours is ours is kind of considered to be the smallest one. The demographic is predominantly Hispanic and also predominantly low income. We, our students, all of our students get free lunch because we are considered to be a low socioeconomic district. And many, the trend is that many of us, I say us, because I was a graduate of McCollum High School, tend to stay within the district. We'll go away and we'll like gain adult experience, but we always come back. So there was a time when I was in the classroom and I was teaching kids that I taught I mean, teaching their children and also to, you know, it starts off, you're teaching the children of your friends that you graduated from high school with. And now you're teaching the children of the children you taught. And so I get, I get, did you remember my mom? You taught her in like 2003. It's like, oh, honey, you know, like that was, that was a while ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> But we are very much a community. And we do, yeah, we do really care about each other and we do really take care of each other. And it's, it's a conservative community at times, but what it comes right down to is in our schools, the kids are what matters. And so that, that importance is always, always at the forefront. It's for the kids. It's what matters. And so I've been doing this for 30 years and I think I finally understand that. (laughs) Well, it really takes an administrator to some, you know, support that vision of of making the students this, what drives all the decisions. And so that's wonderful yeah, to hear. I'm, that's refreshing to hear that you all have that mindset because it's it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. And yeah, and having been around so long, I do know a lot of people at a lot of different levels. And it's always great to see how well they're doing and and how they're contributing to the community. And so I really enjoy, I obviously, I enjoy my district and my school because I wouldn't have lasted 30 years (laughs) if I hadn't. (laughs) Wow, that's wonderful. What a cool testimony. Yeah, community really is is so important, even more so now than before, right? So definitely. Hey, teachers, I'm interrupting this episode to ask you a quick question. How different would your life be if you could confidently plan effective and engaging lessons for your yellow students in a fraction of the time? I created my membership equipping ELLs to do just that. When you join, you gain instant access to the exact resources you need proven and prepped for you, plus a supportive private community of like-minded educators. Join us today at www.equippingells.com. Now back to the episode. So let's dive right in. So you, during the pandemic, saw something arise and it's pushed you to create something. So I want you to, I want, I don't want to give it all away. So I want you to share a little bit, just kind of walk us through what happened during the pandemic. What were you noticing, observing, and then what was your solution to that? This all started very even earlier than the pandemic. I I am a planner by nature. Things sit in my head for a while before I figure out what to do with it. And one of the things that I started to notice was that 
all of our ELL or emergent bilingual students who needed to take the standardized test would test in the library because they wanted smaller groups. And being a certified teacher, I was one of the administrators of the test. And so throughout the years, I see the same kids again and again and again, retaking this test to the maximum, you know, until the spring of their senior year to try and pass it. And as we all know, standardized tests are reading tests. And these students, because our community is so strong, these students weren't having to learn English very well in order to function in our community. And they were, we do have a large population of emergent bilingual students, and they were very comfortable in their their group, their community, their support community on campus and out in the community. So in the back of my head, I started to think about, well, these kids need to read. They just need to do better in reading. They need to read more. They need to be exposed to more. Through that time, we, our district had funded, I guess you would say, bilingual collections in our libraries. We all got extra money to purchase Spanish books or bilingual books to support the kids. And that was very helpful. We also had our response to intervention program. It was called Mastery Content. And I was working specifically with the ELL students through that. And I had conversations with them about you know, you, we have this great book for you. It's in Spanish. It's a popular book. It was just printed, but you're not going to check it out. Why aren't you going to check it out? And most of their response was, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to have that responsibility of owing a book to the school wherein I would have to pay for it, or I might, it might be late. I might damage it in some way. So they weren't even it's, it wasn't about, I don't want to read it. Well, and that was maybe in the back of their mind too. But what they were telling me was they didn't want the financial responsibility of possibly losing material. And that was an interesting, I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even thought about, you know, I, I was just, in my mind, you're a teenager, you're verging on adulthood. It's time to teach some responsibility lessons. But in their mind, the way that they cope, you don't get into that kind of thing. So you don't, if you have to owe somebody, you don't do it. You just step away from it. So I was speaking with a wonderful friend of mine. Her name is Cindy Thomas, and she and I have actually grown up together, and she's a teacher here at McCullum, and we were talking about it. And I said, if there was a way that we could just have books available to kids, that they wouldn't even have to worry about checking something out. There would be no fines attached to it. If they lost it, that's okay. And that's hard to say as a librarian. <laughs> it's a little, it's like, oh, you know, even here in my third year of doing this, I'm still kind of a little, you know, kind of tense about losing books, but I'm learning how to let things go. But so we had talked about it and we had talked about, you know, like creating stations around campus where books would be available, but we talked about doing it primarily through paperbacks because paperbacks would be less expensive and it would be something that could be easily replenished. And then COVID came and it changed everything. It really did. The kids were, well, everyone was scrambling. 
our campus was not one-to-one. Our students did not have, we did not have enough devices. We were scrambling to purchase more devices, to issue devices to students. And again, we have that same thing with the ELLs. I'm not going to take it. You can't make me take a device if I'm going to be responsible for it. So there was that struggle there. And everyone, of course, jumped online. We didn't know anything about screen fatigue or anything like that. So our library was closed. Everything was closed. But a magical moment happened. (laughs) At the end of the year, my principal came and said, I have all this money. And it's the statement that every single librarian wants to hear. It's a, it's like our fantasy, you know, like I have, I have extra money. Do you have an idea? And I said, yes, I do. Actually, I do have an idea that would target specifically our emergent bilingual students, but also to benefit the entire campus. And he was like, all right, let's spend it. I was able to get the majority of my equipment and kind of figure out things. I contacted Thorndike because of their large print program. I knew with these kids, you have to have current books. They have to be something that's interesting, something that people are talking about, maybe based on a film. It has to be current. It has to be popular. And it has to look like a new book, right? It has to. And also too, like, I didn't want it to be any different than a regular book. Just because it was large print, I didn't want them to be able to see that it was different. And so I had spoken with several Thorndike representatives before this, and I was able to get in contact with Thorndike and work with a lot of really great people in their Striving Readers program. And I worked with them and decided to stock only the large print books in all of our stations so that there's not a differentiation per se, like, you know, like this book is large print, but this book isn't. I wanted everyone to have access to just large print books in particular. And and that's where we are today. This is our third year. We now have five stations all around campus. And what here something interesting is happening too. The teachers are reading. The teachers, yeah. When was the last time you saw a teacher standing in a hallway reading a book and like being the model for a reader? You know, I'm like, they're like, wait, just one second. Hang on, let me finish this sentence. Okay, how can I help you? And and they start conversations about these books. And so the kids are, you know, taking cues from their teachers. That was that was a bonus. I wasn't expecting that, but I'm really happy it's coming about that way. So we're, you know, it's nice. That is wonderful. <laughs> I love that. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. How has it created a culture of reading at McCollum High School? Whenever I first made that statement, whenever I, I made that goal, I want to create a culture of reading on our campus. Looking back on it, it seems kind of pompous to me because it seems so unattainable and it seemed very too ambitious, I guess you could say, but it's happening. 
I'm shocked by it's happening. We now have, like I said, we have five stations on campus. We are starting, last year we started a lunchtime meeting once a month where they come and I call it a snack and chat where they just come and we sit and we talk about books and the new month's releases are going to be there and well, they're there and they can take a book and we talk about what it's about and what they were reading and, you know, how they're doing. And the students like that, they're always asking, what are you going to do the next one? It's like, it's in a month. Give me just, (laughs) this is one of eight things today. So give me a minute here. Teachers come to those sometimes whenever they get a chance. It's really, teachers are busy, so busy, but they participate when they get a chance. And We now have in our English classes, we've gotten funding for, well, the ELA teachers gotten funding for their own libraries. So there's even more books available on in campuses and in the classroom so that they, kids have even more access without the, the, the idea of, you know, having to owe something. So I think this idea of creating a culture of reading starts with having it out there, making, making it easy for people to just grab something to read. And then the expectation that you will be reading in your classes, you know, that definitely has helped. The English department is fabulous on my campus. I love each and every one of them. And they do encourage and actually enforce, that's a strong word, but (laughs) classroom reading. The kids are reading in the classrooms, you know, student-selected texts, things that they're interested in. So I also try to have a variety available each month whenever I choose the titles. I have, I make sure that I have a nonfiction piece, a very girl book. And I don't know if you understand what that means, but you know, this, the squishy things that girl, well, and that's rude. I can't say that, you know, like the very, the very teen romance sort of books. Yeah. With female protagonists, also a very boy book where you have, you know, a male protagonist and usually more action, but I'm noticing that it's very fluid now. Everybody's reading everything and it doesn't even matter if it's a boy book or a girl book or whatever you want to call it. They're reading a lot of different things. So, and now Thorndike has produced a lot of poetry books too. And we have, we have a lot of poetry now available to us as well, because poetry seems to be less daunting for students. And novels in verse are another popular thing as well that they enjoy. So that idea of of having it available and bringing it into the classroom. And we're having to reteach kids how to read on their own for, and we're starting like with five minute increments because COVID made it everything just in your face right? We were all using videos to engage them. We all had, you know, Zoom or we had these flashy lessons. And for a kid to sit down with a book, yeah, that's totally new. <laughs> you know, like yes. they're, they're rediscovering this technology. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so necessary. Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that, you know, just the, it really is about a, accessibility. And I think you found a way to really allow one for students to have, you know, a small area to choose from. Cause I do think sometimes like here, I live in Panama city, Panama, we don't even have public libraries here. So it's not, and the schools don't have books. So it's like, 
if a kid from here went into the States and sees a whole, all these shelves of books, it's very overwhelming. It's very overwhelming to find something that fits what you are interested in is your level, you know, or around your level that you can actually read all these things. There's a lot that sometimes we forget. So I love that idea of just having these stations of here's a handful. You can look through them all, find one that looks interesting to you, take it, you know, and and there you go. You get a book to read and return it if you want. Right. That's kind of the yeah. idea. I get, I get asked all the time, when is this due when you're done? They're like, what? <laughs> like, If it takes you two weeks to read it, if it takes you three days to read it, read it. If it takes you three months to read it, you are, you just return it when you're done. They're like, oh, okay. You know, that's so it, great. Yeah. Well, and I think too, if you have those handful of books already selected, it helps the students have those conversations or maybe suggest, Hey, this was a great book. Try it. Or, you know, when, again, that just magnitude of a library can sometimes be very overwhelming for our students who are second language. So I love, I love that. I didn't even think about that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about the aspect of narrowing down their choice, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But yeah. And, and you're right. Having new books is, is really very, really. Yeah. They feel respected, you know. I mean, there's so much by just purchasing those new books and and giving that to them without that feeling that they owe something if they lose it. That's it's a powerful, really powerful way to connect with the students in the community. So, have you had any feedback from parents or you know the teachers in the school of sharing about this initiative? Parents don't really at the high school level. Yeah, parents they're probably are not. Kind of- <laughs> They're kind of hands off. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They're, you know, a lot of our kids have jobs. A lot of our kids have, they're, they're the breadwinners in the family and, you know, they're, they have a life and they don't really tell their parents about what's going on at school. From the teachers, I have heard very positive things. They're always excited to see the books come out for every month. They want to talk about them. Like I've gotten good at doing like one word summaries, like, or, you know, just like less than a sentence. It's like ghost story, romance, you know? And so they know, like, I have, I've curated these books. Like there's a reason that these books are here. Not only do I think that our students would like them, but I think that they have value. And that's, what's great about the Thorndike product is that you can, you have such a range of titles available to you. There's such a range within these large print books that I'm able to provide for a range of interest and read readers at the same time. That's wonderful. Yeah. And it, and it was not, it <laughs> Thordike has a program where you can get a subscription service basically, and you would be sent a certain number of titles that they had curated. And I started off with that subscription service and basically just got 15 sets of that subscription service. It wasn't working out. It wasn't, I had to, I learned very quickly that our kids were not interested in starting a series. If you didn't have the whole thing, if a book was too big, they weren't going to read it. If it was, if it was too small, they weren't going to read it. <laughs> like, You've really been finding the sweet spot of what, what books. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I was able to switch from doing those subscriptions to going in and very purposefully picking the titles and to, you know, talking with all of my colleagues about what would be great to have and, you know, starting those conversations about what do you think kids would be interested in? You know, I love to talk about books and we have so many teachers on campus who are book lovers as well. And so 
we're all wondering, like, how do we get these kids to read? And so now we're honing in on the sweet spot. We're finding the books that they're interested in. And it's surprising. The classics still stand up, man. Oh, wonderful. I don't know. Did you read The Outsiders as a teenager? uh It's still very popular. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... S.E. Hinton, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. I love it. Now share with us that what do you call your program? The program is called Cowboys Read with an exclamation point at okay. the end. And it's a weird title, but it was the one that I came up with because that's what I wanted us to do. You know, that's what I wanted all of us on this campus to read as much as we could. And just like I said, have that availability there. I hope to change the name, but I may not be able to now (laughs) because folks are finding out about it. And what's interesting is one of our feeder schools, our middle school that's just down the road from us also did it. Like my principal talked to their principal and they're like, you can spend these funds by doing this program. And so like, you know, COVID gave us a lot of extra money in education, which is insanely awesome. But the feeder school down the road decided to do the same program. And they've the kids that are from that feeder school are like, oh, just like at Kingsboro. It's like, yes, it's just like, but it's that one's called Knights Read. I was like, yeah, that <laughs> we're, we're cowboys. <laughs> so so yeah, the the program, I think I can't change the name anymore. <laughs> hey, it works for your school. And it's a good story behind it. I love it. Yeah, we do have a dedicated website that I I maintain. Okay. And and every month I put up the new titles. And whenever I first started, of course, I wanted everyone to be involved and online and let's get in these activities and do some online chats. Forget it. Yeah. (laughs) Start simple and add on. Exactly. I learned that fast, right? You got to, I backed way off. I haven't even... Uh, I haven't even done any online presence other than posting what the next books were going to be and some background information about each title. I don't, I don't necessarily know if I'm ever going to do that. Like take this quiz, you know, like I don't. But even providing that, you know, is really powerful. If there's other teachers who are listening that want to try to start this in their own school or other librarians, what a great way for them to just kind of hear what you're picking and choosing and get a little background and doing, you know, that's a lot of groundwork that you're doing that can really help support other teachers who want to try to take on this as well. Yeah. Your your librarian is your best source on campus. I'm sorry that you don't have libraries, school libraries on your campus, because we really do want to help. We really do want to, you know, work with kids and, and, and we love talking about books. It's the favorite thing. It's the best thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I think we know the transformative power it has in students' lives. If they can become readers, I mean, every door is open to them. You know, I always think of like Ben Carson. He said what got him out of poverty was his library card. And I just think that's so true. His mom made him go to the library and check out books all the time. And so it's just something I'm very passionate about as well as really helping instill a desire to read in our students, because then they can go anywhere, read anything, find things in, that interest them and, and take off. So it's wonderful. All right. Well, let me, Terry, why don't you share with us what's next then for Cowboys oh. Read? <laughs> what's next is we've started an after school program and it is a Harry Potter book club. 
And I don't know what kind of, I'm a little nervous about that one because we, we are a conservative community, but, you know, we do have a lot of students and teachers who really love Harry Potter. And whenever I, I kind of toss this idea out to another English teacher, you know, I know she's a Potterhead too. And I said, would you do this with me? And she's like, yes. And so-and-so down the hall would like to do it. And such and such upstairs would like to do it. I was like, well, this is a way for teachers and students to get together to talk about something, a book series that they're passionate about. And it's also, again, that modeling for the kids. Like you don't outgrow reading. You, you continue to use reading your entire life. And so I have that going. Also, too, I would like to do specifically a teacher book club. And like I said, teachers are super busy. They have so much to do. So I'm trying to work out a way to get them involved with as little pain as possible on, <laughs> on their part. Like I will jump through hoops, you know, all kinds of hoops for them. But so I'm considering a kind of lunchtime book club. And of course it would be focusing on one of the titles that was in the Cowboys Read program. So with this program, we have books available to everyone that, you know, are easier to read and they they kind of inspire people to read even more because of the large print. It's easier. You're turning the pages even faster. And the kids are like, look, I'm already on chapter 13. It's like, good for you. You know, like, good job. It gives them that confidence boost Mm -hmm. and teachers too. It's like, we're tired of grading papers all day, you know, like, and you pick up a large print book and it's so much easier on the eyes. You don't have to like, you don't have to decode what it is or find your spot. It's very easy on the eye. So they like it as well. Yeah. So I'm trying to get a a teacher book club going. I'm going to have to have snacks. Teachers. <laughs> you can have to have some chocolate. Chocolate and coffee. <laughs> exactly. Some caffeine. Yeah. Some chocolate. Though. But luckily, my principal has been very supportive. He's bought snacks for my lunchtime things with the kids. He said he would do the same for the teachers and, and he continues to support me and he's a great person. And I greatly appreciate all of his help with it. So yeah, you do have to have the administration. You do have to have their support. And luckily I have it. I have it this year. Well, and two years prior. <laughs> and when you're seeing how that's really changing and transforming your school. So that's, that's wonderful. I love this. Thank you so much, Terry, for sharing with us today. This is, it's just inspiring to hear how, you know, just really speaking with your students, hearing what they need, and then coming up with a creative way to meet that problem and find a solution. It's just a reminder, you know, not that we wouldn't underestimate those little things that we do that can really make a big impact. And and to ask, ask your administrators if they are open to this idea or ask if you have an idea. I love that. Just taking that initiative and seeing where it goes. And so it's wonderful that, you know, you've already been able to set up these five stations in your school and seeing both teachers and students really catch on to this. So we wish you all the best and can't wait to hear a follow-up maybe in a couple of years of <laughs> that it's gone nationwide. <laughs> oh my, that's, that's, <laughs> that is really ambitious. I don't know, but that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That you would know, be awesome. you never know these days. So things can catch wind, but we'll also post in the show notes your website, if that's okay, so that other teachers can check out the books that you're curating each month and and maybe catch on with that. And, and I believe 
I believe Kayla has given or Amy has given you all that information. Is that correct? I think so. We'll check back and see. I'll, but I'll reach out if I'm missing anything. You can just Google Cowboys Read McCollum okay. High School and okay. it should show up. Perfect. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Terry, so much for your time. Thank you, Beth. This was great fun. I appreciate yeah, it. It was a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> it was wonderful to meet you as well. <laughs> Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.